read a passage of Scripture together. Isaiah 33, 5-6. Great passage. Isaiah 33, 5-6. Let's read together, shall we? The Lord is exalted, for He dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Bless your word into us today. And we ask, Lord, that we would pay attention uh, to the words that God has for us as we think about this great treasure in the person of Jesus and in the kingdom of God in which he has placed us. So, Father, we, we ask that we be encouraged. Uh, some of these things, Lord, we already know, but we just need to be reminded of them again, Lord, and perhaps in a different way. So help us, we ask, as we enter into your word. We ask that your spirit would guide us, that he'd move our spirit, our heart, and uh, that we draw a little bit closer to you today because of it. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, please, amen. You may be seated. I want you to imagine that you're in your neighbor's field. You have a, medical, uh, a metal detector that you bought at a garage sale for what amounts to a few dollars. You are out there for hours digging up old nails and uh, metal slugs from electric plates. And suddenly your beeper goes off. This time, you can't figure out the image on the screen. So you take your trusty shovel and you begin to dig down. And you end up uncovering the largest treasure that England has ever recorded. The treasure's worth is still being estimated. They can't count it. And it can be traced back to the legendary King Arthur and his round table of knights. Well, that's exactly what happened to Terry Herbert in July of 2009. True story. He split the proceeds of the sale with the owner of the field. How gracious. And if you're like most people, you're thinking, why does that stuff never happen to me? I just got a bunch of nails and electric box, uh, <laughs> you know, little coins. Well, church, to be honest, you can have a treasure. And it's even greater than that. It's the eternal treasure. And it's beyond estimation as well. It lasts for eternity. But it's not just eternal. It's an abundance here in this life. And that's what we need to pay attention to. I want you to see this morning with me two parables that talk about the field and um, that talk about, once again, the marketplace uh, talk about the treasure as Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. You're going to find this in Matthew chapter 13. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open that up. Or if you've got a Bible app on your phone, Matthew 13, 44 to 46. These, uh, these are what we call parabolic couplets. Parabolic couplets. That means Jesus in very quick succession gives us two parables right on top of each other, and they both have the same meaning. 
So if you're not a farmer and you didn't get the first one, well, I'll give you a marketplace one as a businessman, and you'll get that. If you're a businessman or if you're a farmer, you're going to get the first, and you're not going to get the second. That's why Jesus, or actually the scriptures themselves, often do couplets or they do parabolic triplets. So these are in quick succession, uh, succession, very quick things that Jesus throws out at his audience to give them an understanding of the kingdom. Matthew 13 is all about the kingdom. It's all about Jesus saying, look, there's something coming. There, there is a king who's present. I know you're not going to get that yet, but you will. The king of kings and lord of lords is here, and he's going to be ushering in a kingdom. Now, that kingdom is going to be in the hearts of all those who come and embrace the king. It's what we call a spiritual kingdom. That's where we're at now. We're in a spiritual kingdom. But there's going to come a day where there's going to be a literal kingdom. I'm a, I'm a, a millennialist. I believe that the kingdom of God will literally come and be here for a thousand years. That's my theology. If that's not yours, that's okay. I understand there's different positions on that. But I believe that someday Jesus is going to show up and the kingdom of God in its fullness is going to be here on earth. In fact, we pray that way, do we not? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come as? Yeah, let it come here, Lord. That's our prayer. We pray that every Sunday. Maybe some of you pray that every day. Um, good for you in that prayer life that you have. So Jesus is just trying to paint these pictures of, well, then what does this look like? He does that in the Beatitudes. He talks about the blessed or happy are you. I don't like that word happy because I don't think that's what that means. Makarios means happy, but it's not, I don't think it's what that word means. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It doesn't mean happy. You're not happy in that situation. Blessing has to do with the covenant of God. It means you have been brought back into the original place that God intended for you. That's what that means. Does that make sense? Someday I'll do a series on the, on the Beatitudes and make that a little bit more clear for you. <clears throat> but Jesus is trying to teach the people about the kingdom. Now he moves from Matthew 5, he jumps to Matthew 13, and now he's sitting with his disciples again, and he's teaching them about what does this look like? How does this work itself out? Because the disciples themselves are having problems. They're having issues. They've left everything. They've left their families. They've left their, their means of support. Uh, they've left their businesses. They're following this rabbi who, is he the Messiah or is he not the Messiah? And by the way, when you look at the post-crucifixion of Jesus, you see those men who are dejected now, and now they're, went, they're, they're going back home. They're going to Galilee. They went back to their nets. They went back to their boats. They went back to their tax collecting. They went back to their old life. Why? Because they didn't understand there was a resurrection coming. Does that make sense? So Jesus is trying to help them to understand this spiritual kingdom and what that looks like and how it bleeds out into society because even though the king of kings is not here his people are already here and because his people are here they should be making a difference in the world by how they live their life by the way their speeches by the way they communicate their value system all of those things that's what jesus is trying to 
to get them to understand in the midst of the, the complication that is right now in their life. They're not getting it, all right? So those are the things that we need to be, in, uh, be talking about. Matthew 13 and, 14, and 44, the kingdom of heaven is like what, church? Yeah, it's like a treasure. It's hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he, he did what again? Yeah, he wants to keep it for himself, so he hides it again. Then what? I love this part of this, by the way. Whew. Oh my gosh, I found something. I, I found something. And when he went away, then he did something. I, there's a key word in there, by the way. I want you to see if you can get it. Do you see it? Do you see the last phrasing? And? There, look at that last sentence, and I want you to tell me what the key word is in there. All. That's kingdom living. It's not part. It's not some. He didn't go and sell a few things and come back and get it. He didn't go out and, 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 and sell part of his estate. He went and he sold what, church? What does that tell you about the treasure? It, it told you, it tells me in the story that in all of the accumulative wealth that he had, everything, nothing was as valuable as what? That. Wow, that's important. I'm selling everything. Do you imagine his wife when he came home? We're selling everything, hon. Why? I found this thing in the field. Great. And then she went to see it. She goes, oh my gosh. Unload it. Let's go. We got to buy that. That's exactly what's going on. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, his exuberance, he went home. He sold all, everything that he had. And he went and he bought the field. And I don't think he haggled. I think he said, what's the price? I'll pay for it. Which would have been odd because Middle Easterns are hagglers. All right. Here's the next one. Again, the kingdom of God is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. So he's got an agenda. He's heading out someplace. Same language in 46. When he found one of great value, he went away and key. Church, what's the key word there? Everything. He sold everything he had and he bought it. He bought the pearl. Same idea. All right? So let's make a few observations before we move on to the, to the main point of the parable itself. First, what do the parables have in common? Well, Jesus is again giving his disciples an example of things that are hidden from view, but that are very tangible. You cannot see the kingdom of God. It's not here. It's not like, hey, let's go to Ohio. <laughs> you know when you cross the line that you're in a different state. It's not like that with the kingdom of God. Why? It's not manifested itself. It doesn't mean it's not a reality. It just means it hasn't shown up in a very tangible way. It's internal. It's spiritual. The treasure was in the ground. The pearl was in the oyster or in the marketplace. And so there's a sense of discovery that both parables address. Someone needs to be made aware that the treasure is there. 
This leads to the second observation, which is that both hidden things were found. They were accessible if one simply sought them out. You know, there are certain treasures in this world that will probably never be found. They're under so much debris that a metal detector can't find them or a sonar or radar, whatever you want to use to figure out where that treasure is. There have been such cataclysmic events in this world that you're never going to be able to find it. Volcanic eruptions, tidal waves, where things get completely washed and move away, that you can't find those things anymore. They used to be here. We have no idea where they're at now. They're just gone. But in the parable of the kingdom of God, Jesus says of these two men, there is something you can find. It's accessible. It's not buried so deep that a person can't find it. It's up, it's buried, but it's accessible. So as we think about people coming to know the Lord, there are certain folks that we look at and go, there is no chance in the world uh, that they're ever going to come to know Jesus because of their, who they are. It's not true. It's not true at all. It is a hidden treasure and it just needs to be unearthed. And by the way, that's part of our responsibility. And the third thing is this, is that when they found this item, they recognized the value in their find. And that's probably one of the most important points for us this morning, is to remember the value of what we have. Does that make sense as well, church, as we think about this? It was so valuable that both individuals sold all. They sold everything to possess it. And one more observation. The man who discovered the hidden treasure, he joyfully went and he sold everything. He didn't do it begrudgingly. There was a sense of joy in his life because he found something that was going to absolutely change his life. Do you think the guy in England who found this treasure that they're still trying to add up is in a little bit of joy right now? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he, he resigned his job. Uh, you know, that's the kingdom of God. That's, it's engaging the person of Jesus. It's understanding that you're part of something greater than you and eternal, something that's going to overcome the wickedness and the evil in this world. You're part of that if you're a part of the kingdom and if Jesus Christ is king and Lord of your life. What was the main difference between the two stories? Well, the main difference is that we have two types of individuals. The, the first story is a person who isn't necessarily looking um, for anything. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in the field when a man found it. doesn't say he was digging for it. doesn't say anything. It, the, the language implies that he stumbled upon it. Something was sticking out of the ground. Something he, it caught his eye, whether it was a glimmer or a flash or the sun hit on something, but he, he, he caught it and he went over and he found it. So this is a person not really looking for anything of value, but it came into his life. The second one is actually the opposite. This person is doing what? He is looking for something of value. He's looking for something that is going to change his life. And so the difference in the story is simply two different types of individuals, someone who is looking 
for something and someone who isn't looking for something, but the, the, the net effect is the same. They found it. All right? So if I can use Brother Rob for an example, and I, hope he, and I know he won't mind me saying this. You know, when Rob was pre-Christ, he was looking for truth. He was searching for truth. He was searching it in every religion. He was searching to find out, what do I pour my life in? And at the end of the day, it was Jesus. And he gave, if you don't know Rob, he's kind of in. He's just kind of a partial follower of Jesus. (laughs) Rob is all in. All. That's who he is. You have other people who are not like Rob. They're just going about life. They're not looking for anything. And yet, something comes into their life, whether it's a tragedy, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a job. It's something that they weren't planning on, but God divinely moved that into their space, their relational space. And it was like, hey, do you know about Jesus? No. Well, let me share the good news with you about who he is. So those are the two individuals, but at the the point of the matter is that they both came to the same place of find this immense value in something. What is the main point of the parable? The main point is that the kingdom of God will come to individuals in different ways, but the person who recognizes its worth will surrender what? And I don't know about you, but I got to take a deep breath on that when I read that. Uh, and I have to remind myself of something. <laughs> that following Jesus is about what? Surrendering. And that's the hard part. Because world creep gets in. Can anybody say an amen to that? I, I came to know Jesus Christ as a little one. I committed my life to Christ when I was 19 years of age, was baptized, and I haven't looked back. I haven't had a perfect life by any means, and I have my struggles, and I still do. But I can think of, you know, in those beginning years, man, I was sold out for Jesus. I was doing everything to figure out how to be more and more like him. I was Sunday morning service. I was Sunday night. We were part of a Baptist church. B-A-B-T-I-S-T. I don't know if you spell it that way before. Bob, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not Baptist. Baptist. That means you go to church like 50 times a week. All right? So I was going Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, Thursday night visitation, Saturday morning service projects. Yeah. I was smoking. I was doing everything for Jesus. And then I got tired. <laughs> And then the world crept in and business and family and life and all of a sudden I'm thinking, wow, am I still doing that? Am I still surrendering all to Jesus? Uh, That's something that we need to think about, I think, today. Because we can't go into the kingdom and we certainly can't go into what's coming at us as a society and being partially in. It's not going to work. We've got to be all in and full throttle when we look at this, when we look at these particular issues. 
The kingdom of God will come to individuals in different ways, but the person who recognizes its worth will surrender all to get it and keep it. All right, now this is confession time. I want raised hands. How many of you still watch Antique Roadshow? Yes, thank you. (laughs) Oh my gosh, we used to watch that even with our girls. And I kept thinking, what do I have that I can sell? I've got to have something old. You know, I'd be the guy that shows up and it's like, yeah, that, you'd have to pay me to take that because it's worth nothing. But then I watch some of those shows and I think, oh, you know, great grandma Sybil left me this box of whatever and, you know, I could have retired 20 years ago if I just would have dug it out. And, you know, that's, that's part of what this is about seeking, it's about seeking the treasures of Jesus It's about seeking the great things that God has in store for us, the abundant things that God has for us, because we are followers of Christ and we live in a kingdom that has all of its provisions and blessings inherently inside of it. Does that make sense, church? It's all there. We just got to mine it out. We got to figure it out. We got to find it. And that's what's so exciting to me, especially about Bible study for me, is getting into the Word and trying to figure out what's the great treasures here that's going to help me in life to be a better follower of Jesus, but also to be a better husband, a better father, grandfather, a better pastor, all of those types of things. I want you to remember that Jesus is speaking privately to his disciples, and, and they've been getting attacked by the religious leaders, and they've been getting attacked by their family members and by Jews and Gentiles, and they're thinking, I don't know if this thing's going <laughs> to... I'm not sure if this stuff's worth it. And right before this, they had a very rich young man who came to Jesus and said, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the commandments? And the rich man said, yep, I have followed all of them. Lie, 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 lie. But Jesus is going to point that out because he loves the young man. And he says, here's what you need to do. You need to be sold out. Literally. You need to go and do what? You need to sell, keyword. You need to sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you need to go and follow me. And the Bible tells us that man did what? He went away sad because you see he had another God in his life. He violated the first commandment which is thou shalt have no other gods before me and that man had a really big god in his life he had worldly possessions he had self-security he didn't want to trust in the lord to provide for his needs and by the way not god is not asking all of us to sell everything and give it to the poor and follow after him but in that particular purpose jesus had to point out that that man had another god in his life and that was what was so complicated. Let me read a passage of scripture and then I want to play just a quick video as we close. It's not so much a video as it is a song. Um, Matthew 19 and 27, it says this, Peter asked Jesus, look, we've left what? And we've left everything to follow you. So what then will there be for us? 
So that's a value question Peter's asking. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when I show up, when I bring the kingdom, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, not talking about heaven, that's an earthly statement, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Peter, you're going to get rewarded. This is going to be worth it. That's what this whole thing is about. I want you to listen to this. Will that play automatically, Deb? Feel free to sing along if you'd like to.
pass away But there's something about Jesus sees all the world to me I want no better friend I trust Him now I'll trust Him when Father, we need a little tune-up today.